Father, we come to you this morning and our hearts are filled with gratefulness to you as our Heavenly Father. Lord, would you cause us today to understand just a little bit more the Father's love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today actually applies to men too. So if you're not a dad today, but you're a man, then this, hopefully this sermon will be encouraging to you. But we got to start off with some dad jokes, right? I mean, that's what we're known for as dads, our terrible sense of humor, the looks we get from our kids. What do you call a fish without an eye? A fish. All right, think about it for a little while. If at first you don't succeed, don't try skydiving. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. What's brown and sticky? A stick. What do you do if you're attacked by a group of clowns? Go for the juggler. What does an angry pepper do? It gets jalapeno face. I feel like I'm one of those dads in the video on that one. <laughs> well, dads, you got to practice some dad jokes today. That'll be the fun part of the day. Well, today, and in our culture especially, you know, dads often get a bad rap. Have you noticed that? Dads, and really men in general, oftentimes... In, in pop culture and TV sitcoms were the brunt of jokes and ridicule. You notice how many times men are made fun of? We're shown as lazy and insensitive, bigoted, brute-like, and just plain stupid. But I say that that is not true. That is not the character of us dads and fathers who follow Jesus. We are spirit-filled, gifted, doers, lovers, and warriors. We ourselves are sons of a great king, and we're princes in a great kingdom. And we have the honor and the privilege as fathers to raise up princes and princesses as well. And that's how God made us, and that's how he views us. Father is an honored title. It's actually the, the most common and most used title that Jesus used of God. Think about that. Over 160 times in the Gospels, Jesus referred to God as Father. It was his favorite way to talk about God the Father. He even told us when we pray, how did he have us start? Our Father who is in heaven. Holy is your name. So the role or the office of fatherhood is God-ordained, it's God-initiated, it's God-invented. It's something to really honor and realize it comes from our maker. It's a privilege to be a father, and it helps us understand what it means to be his children. Really, that expression of God the Father helps us realize how he feels about us, and it demonstrates the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. 
But fatherhood is not an easy role. Now, I kind of learned this early on. I have three children. I learned a lot when Josephine was born about the challenges and joys of fatherhood. But then Caleb came along. And with Caleb, on my very first diaper change, I was laying him there on the table. I think we have a picture of Caleb. Not at this moment. There we go. I was laying him there on the changing table. It was the first diaper change for my son. And yeah, you guessed it. I got shot right in the face. And I realized at that moment, fatherhood is not for wimps. It's not for the faint of heart. But this morning, we're going to take a few minutes and look at a really familiar passage of Scripture and hopefully see it in a new light as how, what it says to us about fatherhood and how we can learn from that. So take, take your Bibles, if you have them, and turn to Luke chapter 15. By the way, the uh, Bible's in the, in the seat back in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that one and use it, and you can take that home with you as well. And if you're looking at your bulletin, the title of this message is not what's in the bulletin. The Lord changed my message on Friday. So the you can scratch out that title. It was a good message, by the way, maybe some other time. But you can scratch out that title and just write in there, The Good Father. The Good Father is the title of this message. So turn to Luke 15, and we're going to read what is often referred to as the story of the prodigal son. But this morning, we're going to understand it as the story of the good father. Starting verse 11. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf 
because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. That's a great story, isn't it? There's three simple truths that I want to bring out from this, from this parable. And we want to answer the question, what kind of a father was this man? First of all, we see that this father was a giver. When his son came and asked for his inheritance, he gave it. It says that he divided the property between them. He gave to both sons. This was pretty countercultural, actually. It wasn't the way that it was normally done in the culture of that day. Usually the father kept everything and only gave to the older son uh, close to his death so that the older son could carry on. But in this case, this father loved his two sons, and when asked, he gave them their inheritance. Now let's look at it this way. It's not really to prove a point about when you're supposed to give an inheritance. The point that Jesus is making in this story is that this father was a giver, an extravagant giver. Look at the way that he treated his son when his son returned. Verses 22 and 23. It says, But the the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. This father was giving an expensive, lavish party for his returned son. And even to the older son... What did he say at the end of the story? He said to the older son, son, all I have is yours. He was a giver. Do you know, dads, that you're a giver? Now, what do we normally think of when we think of a dad as a giver? What's the word that comes to mind? Provider, right? That's kind of our role as we see it a lot of times. We're the provider. We work hard for our families so we can provide for them food and shelter, gifts. Well, that's our giving nature. That's what we do as dads. We give for their well-being. But it's not just the material giving that we do. It's also a giving that talks about protection and guardianship and defending. And we're not just physically defending or protecting or guarding. We're also doing that with their emotions and their spirits. Dads, do you think about that? You are the guardian and the protector of your children's emotional life, too, and their spirits. Are you making sure that no harm is coming to them, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually? See, it's in our DNA as dads to be providers, defenders, and guardians. You guys have heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, right? 
Dads, we are the guardians of our galaxy, and our galaxy is our family and our loved ones. So take that role seriously. Think about the ways that you are guarding your family as you provide for them, as you give, not only just physically to meet a physical need, but how are you guarding and protecting them emotionally and spiritually as well. So fathers, we are givers. Are you giving extravagantly like this father did? So you may be thinking, well, you know, I don't have the money that this father did. He was quite wealthy. He had all that land and estate. I, don't, I can't do that. I can't do what he did for his children. Well, do you remember James Williams' story at Communion Devotional this morning? How did that father give? He gave so his son could get that gift that he really wanted by buying those comics from him. Was that a huge gift in the eyes of his son? Yes, that was like a lavish, extravagant party. You remember how Jesus taught about giving, right? He was in the temple, and he pointed out to his disciples the widow who gave all she had, just those two mites. And what did he say about her? She gave more than anyone else. Giving isn't a monetary amount. It's not measured in a dollar amount. It's in the amount of sacrifice that we give. That's how it's measured. A couple of weeks ago, I asked uh, some folks in our congregation to tell me about their dads and just to write to me a little account, a short account of something about their dads that showed their godly character, something about them that they really appreciated. And I'm going to read some of those this morning. I won't be reading them all, but I really want you to hear in, this, in these testimonies the heart of these dads. And I think you'll draw a lot of parallels between these dads and our story and how they're giving dads. Jonathan Sheffron said, My father did two things exceedingly well. He would take us on walks and dream with us what we might do as a career someday. He would speak into us what abilities he saw and talked with us about what it might take to become a dentist, a doctor, a pastor, etc. This gave us the confidence that if we wanted to set out on a particular career journey, we knew the level of work that it would take to get there. The second thing he did was to continuously tell us that we had what it took to succeed. He always believed in his kids and believed they would be exceptional at everything they tried to do and told us that often. Dwayne Hilton wrote this, <clears throat> I am the firstborn of the three kids my mom and dad have together. Upon the arrival of my last sibling, my dad decided to take a trip abroad with a promise to make a better life, not only for himself, but for everyone. A few years passed, and we did not see him again. A few years later, my mom met this guy, a guy who I see not only as my father or stepdad, but as my closest and best friend. This guy stepped into our lives and took care of a two-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old without asking questions. The food, the shelter, the clothes he put on our backs wasn't even the best part of his blessing. The mere fact that he was there when he didn't have to be was the biggest blessing of all. You know, guys, there's maybe some of you all in this room, too, that, that say, well, I'm not a dad, but you can be. You can be a father to someone. Ask God to show you who there might be out there that you know that you can be a father figure to. And there's a lot of you dads, we had one this morning, Mike Smith adopting 
So many of you dads are also adoptive dads. What a blessing. What a blessing you are to those children. Levon Wanganya, actually both Levon and his sister Janelle wrote about their dad. I'm going to read both of them. Levon says, I just want to start off by saying my father has done literally everything for me and has provided for me since day one. I know that's what a father is supposed to do, but he blesses me with more than I deserve. He goes out early in the morning and comes back the next morning just to show how hardworking he is. Doing all that, he still finds time for his wife, my mom, and his kids, my sister and I. He makes sure to get us to church on time and wakes us every morning in a joyful mood ready to take on the day. My dad has blessed me with a car. He has simplified my life to where I don't have to be begging and asking for rides to certain places and not having to wait on other people's time to provide for me. There's many more things he's done for me, but that's the, but that's the earliest thing for me, and I'm extremely blessed and grateful to have a father like him. And his sister Janelle said, My dad has blessed me a lot recently, but this event stood out the most. He went out of his way to provide us with new phones, and new Apple Watches, and I'm so thankful. Wow. wow. <laughs> a car? New phone? Okay. Mr. Wanganya, you are getting Father of, of the Year, I think. Bless you. He didn't have to do all that. He did it to make us happy. He never asked for anything back, which is a direct reflection of his character. It shows how good of a heart he has and how great a dad he is. Now, do you think the most important thing for those dads was just the gifts they got? No. It was the demonstration of the care and love and time that their dad spent with them. Well, let's look at another characteristic that we see in the story of what a father is. This father was a lover. Let's look at verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. This is the son. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You see, this father was out there looking for his son. He saw him from a long way off. How could he have done that if he hadn't been looking for him? He was longing for the day that that son would return. He was expecting it. He was ready to receive his son. And think about what his son had done. His son had taken his hard-earned money, taken it early, and gone and squandered it. And not just squandered it and lost it in bad business deals or something like that. He did it in a shameful way. He went to a far country and spent it on immoral activity. And I'm sure word had gotten back to this father and his social circle what that son was doing. And then he had to take a job from a foreigner. And then he had to work with unclean animals. Can you imagine a Jewish young man having to feed pigs and finding himself even eating what they were eating? This son had gone to the depths of despair, and he had shamed his, fa his father and his family. And yet what was the father doing? He was out there looking for his son, expecting him to return, waiting for him to come back. And when he saw him, what did he do? Ran. Ran towards him. Now, you've got to understand that in the Jewish culture of that day, for a 
a grown man, a man of this man's stature and influence in the society, of his wealth and posture, for him to have to hike up his garments in order to run was shameful, was embarrassing, showing his legs like that and then running. How undignified, how embarrassing that would have been for others who have see, to see him do this. And yet, does that stop him? No. He doesn't care. He sees his son. He embraces him, kisses him, and throws him a lavish party. You know, he doesn't come up to him and just a uh, polite handshake. Oh, hello, son. Nice to see you. Glad you're back. Um, how you doing? You might want to change. You know, none of that. I mean, he just grabs him, throws his arms around him, kisses him. This is lavish love. This is extravagant love, just like his extravagant giving. Dads, you know your lovers. I, I remember when Josephine was first born, my, my baby girl, and I remember being overwhelmed by the feelings of love that flooded me when I held my newborn baby for the first time. I mean, it was, it was overpowering. And I remember coming home from work every day and thinking in my mind, it's Christmas. I get to see Josephine. I get to see my baby. And just the joy that I had holding her and realizing this is my child. And I, I wasn't prepared for those feelings of love. And they also came when Caleb was born, even though he did shoot me in the face. <laughs> and when Danielle was born, when, when all of my children were born, I was overwhelmed by this incredible sense of love that I had for those babies. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. In fact, what's, what's amazing is it also returns when you have grandkids. Any grandparent will tell you. And I wasn't prepared for that. When our first grandchild was born, it was like, wow, all those emotions came flooding back of, of love for that child. But I learned so much in those years of watching my children grow about how much God loves me because I realized in a new, fresh way that I had never really understood that I am a cherished son too. God is my father, and he loves me even more than I love my children. So dads, lavish your love on your children. Love them extravagantly. Hug them. Kiss them. Snuggle them. Tickle them. Horse around with them. Have fun with them. They need to know that their father loves them. They need to know that it's not just some words we speak or it's us saying, well, I provided for you. That shows my love for you. No, they need to see the love that you have for them in the time and the attention and just the care that you give them. They need to feel that love from you. Your presence with them speaks volumes. If you're listening, Caleb, I love you. Josephine, 
I love you. And Danielle, I love you. I'm not going to name all my grandkids. <laughs> Moms, children, see your dads today as the lovers that they are. See them as the givers. Recognize that in them. See them as the lovers that they are and that they're made to be. Encourage them in being the lover they were created to be. God gave us the role of fatherhood to be giving and loving and providing. Well, I want to read a couple more testimonies that came to me this past week. Here's one from Eddie Elliston. I remember meeting my dad in person for the first time when I was three years old when he returned from World War II. He returned with a silver star, a bronze star, and two oak leaf clusters and a purple heart. From the time we first met, he made sure I never missed going to church. He would do extra chores on Saturday, just such as feeding our livestock, so we could leave on time for church. When I was old enough to go to church camp, he would be sure I went and often helped to provide transportation for others. He was a respected community leader and an influential member of the church where we went. He modeled integrity, respect, and care for others. We often had troubled young people stay with us. He modeled care for elderly parents. He was a person whose influence continues even today in four generations of our family. Mary Mallory wrote, My father was a man not afraid of hard work. He built two houses for us. By that, I mean he designed and did all the work himself after putting in an eight-hour day at his job. He held that job for 30 years, although the last half of that time was not enjoyable. He did it to provide a secure income for us, and when he died at the age of 58, he left my mother well provided for. She was a widow and did not work for 41 years, but his provision lasted all that time, and she never became a financial burden. He was faithful to her and to us through sickness and in health, a man well respected by his peers. Sherry Marsden says this, I'd like to honor my husband, Tommy. He is the amazing father of Aubrey and David. He came from an absent father home with inconsistent male role models. Tommy was determined to connect with his children and be available wholeheartedly every day. He cried when he held them on their first day and many days since. He has enjoyed loving them more than himself. He has provided faithfully and sacrificially for our well-being. Tommy played, coached, cooked, snuggled, and trained our children to invest in the things that matter most, God, family, and community. I'm so grateful for his daddy heart and the special ways he has poured out love into us. Aubrey and David treasure their father. I'm thankful and very proud of Tommy's successes with our children. What a totally transformed heritage for our family line and great honor to Jesus. God is so good. I can almost hear his accolades echoing for Tommy. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I agree. I don't know if you're in here, Tommy, but that's a great tribute. Well, we see another example of a fatherly characteristic in our story. The third one I'm going to talk about, this father was a forgiver. Verses 21 to 24. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. You notice in the story how the father reacted to his son when his son came with obvious penance and confession. He's quick to forgive. In fact, he'd already forgiven him. But he's quick to demonstrate that forgiveness. He cuts him off mid-sentence. And he says, no, you're my son. You're my son. You've never lost your standing with me. He's so quick. He doesn't humiliate him. He doesn't make him grovel. He doesn't make him go into a long list of all the things that he's done and how he needs to, to you know, mention everything and, and explain his penance. He just bursts out with, you're my son, you're back, let's celebrate. Dads, how quick are we at this point of forgiving? Sometimes that's hard to do, especially if we've been hurt, especially if we've been wronged and spurned and wounded. But this father was too. When there's repentance, and it's clearly shown here by his confession and his humility, then we need to follow the example of this father and show our forgiveness and our restoration. You see, this father didn't suddenly decide to forgive his son as his son began to talk to him, did he? He had already decided he had forgiven his son. And now was the time to simply express his forgiveness and bring the son back into a restored relationship. That is hard to do. I also want you to notice that the father, by forgiving his son, didn't reverse the consequences that his son suffered. In fact, you know, he doesn't say to his son, okay, and I'm going to give you back your inheritance, did he? He says to the older son at the end of the story, all I have is yours. So he's clearly communicating that the younger son has spent all of his inheritance and it's not going to be restored. So he's not saying there's no consequences, but he doesn't withhold forgiveness. And I think that's so important for us to understand. I want to say this carefully. Forgiveness does not mean that consequences are ignored or forgotten or reversed. Sometimes they can be, but forgiveness doesn't mean that is supposed to happen every time. But there is the letting go of any anger, bitterness, or vengeance because of the actions that were done against me. Did you hear that? Forgiveness doesn't mean that consequences are ignored or forgotten or reversed. But there is the letting go of any anger or bitterness or vengeance that you feel. And that takes the Holy Spirit within you to do. This son was fully accepted back in a rightful standing now with his father. So dads, do you know that you're forgivers? You have the God-given ability and the role to be a forgiver. When you forgive someone, 
you're going to bring them back to life. When you forgive a son or a daughter, maybe that has wounded you, you're going to give them hope again. And I want you to think about this. Take it even a step further. Even if they haven't asked you for forgiveness, forgive them still. Be like this father. Forgive them anyway. Don't hold a debt of anger or bitterness or the need for vengeance. Release them from that debt. Forgive them now. And then if or when they do come back, then you can treat them like this father does. Throw your arms around them and restore the relationship with them. Moms and children, see your dads as the forgivers that they are by God's grace. Maybe there's something even you need to go to them and ask them for forgiveness for and give them the opportunity to, to really express this part of their fatherhood. Well, I'm going to read the last of these testimonies that I got. This one is from Melanie Kittrell. My father, a father of three girls, of which I'm the youngest, was a devoted, a devoted Catholic who took us all to church each and every Sunday, and there we were exposed to the gospel. My father, each Saturday evening, polished our shoes, and they were left on newspapers in the kitchen to be picked up Sunday morning, nice and clean for church. I can still feel his rough wool coat in the winter next to me and him giving me a nickel and some pennies for the collection plate. You see that dad is a giver? That was exciting to this little girl. I remember thinking that maybe the priest wouldn't notice that daddy had handed those to me as I dropped them in the plate. As all children, this weekly routine worked deeply into my formation. I learned to love God watching him. Juliana Johnson says, at an early age, my father would schedule a family devotional time twice a week, early Sunday morning and Wednesday evenings. We all memorized our Bible verses and gave our testimonies. What stood out to me the most was my father made sure before we left the prayer meetings, we were told to resolve any conflicts we were having. Wow. There's a dad that's teaching about forgiveness. I kept that tradition when I was raising my own children. I grew up knowing that our house was a house of prayer because of my father. And then Tony Brown writes this about Mike Brown, his father. I know dad loves me. He models how to always honor mom and proactively seek peace with everyone. I am thankful for hours of baseball, investing in my kids, helping with car trouble, house issues, and being there while Brandy and I try our best to manage our family God's way. It's not as easy as you make it look, but you are my hero, Dad, and I love you. Way to go, Tony uh, and Mike. Dads, we have such a privilege to be givers, to be lovers, and to be forgivers. And this parable, this story, is really a picture of another father, isn't it? It's a picture of our Heavenly Father. It's really Jesus telling us how God the Father is. In fact, there's a verse that we're all so familiar with that I think parallels this story in a unique way. It's John 3.16. 
We'll put it up here. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you see God the giver? He gave his only son. Do you see God the lover? He loved us so much. Do you see God the forgiver? He's willing to forgive all of our sins, even the ones you're still going to commit. I want to just leave you with a quick story about my dad. I love my father. He was, he's with the Lord now. But he, he raised me to be competitive, which at times wasn't a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes he was overly competitive. He taught me how to play chess, but he never let me win. <laughs> Come on, Dad. <laughs> no, he was instilling in me, I think, that, that hunger to excel. He taught me to play tennis, which became a real love of my life growing up. But he did lots of fun stuff with us. He did puzzles. He did games. I remember in the summertime, he would do a scavenger hunt in our house where he would hide little clues all over the house. And we start with one, and it would take us to the other, and at the end was some kind of a prize that we would win. He was a missionary in West Africa, and my brother and I struggled during our teenage years, and we rebelled against our family, against him, and against the Lord. And it was kind of like the father in this story. My father, there was shame brought upon him from the way his sons were acting. And he was a high-standing official in the mission at that time. And so he and my mom made a tough decision. They left Africa. He laid his ministry down, and he said, we've got to go back to the States, and we've got to deal with our family. I need my sons back. And that's what he did. In 1972, they left the mission, and our family returned to Florida. And over the next two years, it was hard. It was difficult. But my brother and I turned our lives around and gave our lives back to the Lord. And then my mom got Alzheimer's. A few years after they returned to Africa, she couldn't function anymore. And so they had to come back to the U.S., and they stayed in Florida at the uh, Mission Village. And as my mom's health declined, my dad took care of her for 10 years while she suffered through Alzheimer's. And I learned a lot from my dad. Faithfulness, perseverance, keeping a vow in sickness and in health. I look up to my father, and I thank God for him. I think you guys are thankful for your fathers, aren't you? I just want to ask all of the dads to go ahead and stand. I know we did this a little earlier, but as we close the service, I want the dads to stand, and then I'd like some of you all, your family that is with you, or somebody close by if there's not a family member with you, to, to just come and lay a hand on your back, on your shoulder, and we're just going to take a minute for you to pray for your dads. All right? I see a lot of dads standing. I need people to come around them. Just come around these dads.
Go ahead now. Just take a minute and just pray. Pray for that dad. Father, I thank you for all the dads in this room. Lord, I thank you for the unique privilege that you've given us as fathers, the role that we see that really comes straight from you, to be a giver, to be a lover, to be a forgiver. Father, I pray that as we go out of here, Lord, you would just cause this day to be a blessed day for every dad in this room. I thank you and I praise you. We pray it all. And everybody says, amen. 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 You can be seated. I want to just uh, encourage you, single dads, don't forget to come to the welcome area here. And Connection Coffee is in the back room, as, uh, back corner as well, if you'd like to meet with uh, a leader. And we'll have some people up front to pray for you if you need some prayer today. Happy Father's Day. <laughs>